Welcome to the Fantasy Sports Collective Podcast. I'm Jay Dub. I bring decades of sports passion, opinion, and critical analysis. You can find written pieces by me and, and others at fscollective.com or subscribe to this podcast at Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and soon other major podcast platforms. The goal of this will be a weekly show covering the biggest topics in the world of hoops and football primarily. We'll sprinkle in other sports as they're relevant throughout the year, but this is primarily a forum for NBA, NFL, and college football. Our goal with this is to have fun, bring intelligent takes that spark ideas and debate. We'll also produce a fantasy show during the late summer and fall. I'm looking forward to this effort and hope you all find interest and join the collective community. So for this episode two, this is going to be an NBA focused covering winners and, and losers in NBA free agency. I had fun with this. Um, it's a solo effort, so it's just going to be me today, quick and dirty. Uh, but it's an exciting topic. And, and you know, one of the things I'll call out is really interesting that's happened is I love the NFL and I love football. But, you know, that the consciousness of, of the league, as you see in the ratings and whatnot, seem to be down if you just look at the raw numbers while the NBA has taken off. And and one of the shocking things to me is you go into sports bars, you walk around, and there's nationally televised summer league games, which are exciting. The basketball isn't amazing, but it's fun. These guys are passing the ball. It's a lot of young guys. But the fact that we're all talking about summer league, it's it's actually on national television almost nightly, it, it tells you that where the NBA has come from. So I'm excited to talk about that, uh, and we'll, we'll get to that on the, the flip side. This is America. Don't get you slipping now. Don't get you slipping now. Look what I'm whipping now. This is America. Don't get you slipping now. Don't get you slipping now. Look what I'm whipping now. This is America. Don't get you slipping now. Look how I'm living now. Police be tripping now. Yeah, this is America. Guns in my area. I got the strap. So the NBA free agency kicked off a little bit over a week ago. And for the first 24 hours, the world was aghast. The Los Angeles Lakers had done it again, brought in another great player. Still, you know, in this case, LeBron James kind of on the tail end of his prime. Who knows how long he's going to be great. But but like Shaq before them and many others, it was just this stroke of the Lakers did it again. And there's a lot of talk about how the Lakers were going to be title contenders and how this was just a precursor for Paul George and, and, and Leonard. And then Paul George resigns with OKC. It's still, though, the excitement around the Lakers was, was incredible. And, and look, this, is, this to me is, is the start of, of why, if I, think, if I start with the winners here, the Lakers to me are the winners of the summer. And they're winners because they're now interesting they're now part of the conversation as, as one of the best teams. And no, are they title contenders yet? No, they're not. However, with LeBron, they're in the conversation. And I like their young talent. Like They get dinged a lot for their young talent, but they've got some great players. Brandon Ingram, lanky, springy, positionless big with emerging shot. Guys, The guy's a perfect three can flex to four. Really good fit with LeBron, too, because he's spot up and can create his own shot. He's not at the Kyrie level when when uh, when LeBron got back to Cleveland in um, 2014, 
but he has that potential. I don't think he's ever going to get there. To me, he's a poor man's Giannis, but he's a good player. He's probably going to top out at 28-4 kind of line. He's, he's good. Kyle Kuzma is a good undersized power forward, great spot-up shooter. He lacks the defense, but he's a guy that I think fits nicely with LeBron, and he's an ascending player. You know, going back, Ingram's just 21. Kyle Kuzma's only 22. Kyle Kuzma reminds me of actually of a poor man's Kevin Love, if, if, if that makes sense. Um, I think he's got a little bit more upside than where Kevin Love is today, but he's certainly not that same same level. Uh, but he's a good good fit. And then the person I, I still am very bullish on is Lonzo Ball. You know, the Ball family hoopla is annoying, no doubt. I, I guarantee if the Lakers could turn that off or, or pay to have it go away, they would. But this is an incredible uh, talent. He has an elite passing skill. He has the makings of a potentially top-tier defensive point guard, shutdown guy with his length and his anticipation, his ability to, to get in passing lanes, steal the ball, and disrupt the offense. And yes, he didn't shoot well as a 19-year-old, uh, you know, two-year-out-of-high-school player, but no point guards, even the best point guards of all time, come in the NBA and they struggle, particularly with shooting, particularly with running the, 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 uh, the offense. This guy averaged 10... Seven, seven, and almost two steals, 1.7 steals a game as a 19-year-old rookie on a, you know, a, a subpar team. And the Lakers, people, don't don't forget this, they were starting to get hot at the end of the year. You know, they were playing playoff level, you know, again, six, seven, eight seed playoff level basketball the last month and a half of the season. So you've got a core group here. You also got guys like Josh Hart and, and some other pieces. So you have this core group. You add LeBron to that. That's a good team. You know, again, they're not title contenders this year, but net net, the Lakers won the simple summer simply by being in the legitimate title conversation now. And maybe the shock and challenge for home court uh, uh, seed isn't going to happen. But more likely, they're a playoff team. They're in the conversation. They get they get experience in the chemistry, and they're off and running. So, Lakers are the clear winners. The Warriors, as everyone will tell you, have broken the NBA. They're a winner though. Simply for re-signing Durant and getting Kev- Kevon Looney, an emerging big, kind of switchable to positionless big for the Warriors, to re-sign for veteran minimum. That, that's a, basically a win in their book. The fact that they were able to convince Boogie Cousins or Boogie Cousins convince them to bring him on the team as a one-year rental is a monumental get. But let's put this in perspective. It's not as monumental as people would like to th- uh, like you to think it is. And the NBA isn't just as broken as it, as it was prior to Cousins selecting the Warriors. Cousins is an outstanding player. But let's put this in perspective, okay? He didn't have any, any other legitimate offers. I'm sure there was other people willing to offer the mid-level exception, but they were situations that were going to force him to play sooner force him to take a bigger burden in the offense and they weren't going to give him the opportunity to kind of rehab his image right put it put himself in a better light as a player and for the Warriors you know look this is a player that's been bowed out of his first two franchises unceremoniously or ceremoniously I guess in some ways he wasn't wanted by two NBA franchises by Sacramento Kings and now the New Orleans Pelicans so he needs to rehab himself furthermore he's coming off an Achilles injury the history on those is that it saps explosiveness. You know, Boogie's calling card has always been more technique, sheer size, skill, um, and less explosiveness. But surely he's not going to be the same player that he was last year, this coming year. But 
the Warriors don't need him to be. If he's 75% of the old bookie come next April in time for the playoffs, that's a huge, huge upgrade over what they were running out there at that center position. And he gives them much more length and depth to their lineups. So big, big win. But let's put it, th- th- keep this in mind. It's a one-year rental. He's probably going to play half the year. And there's some serious downsides of this move. But they're still a winner for me. They just didn't win the, uh, the summer. And don't let NBA Twitter convince you otherwise or any other sports media talking head. The Warriors did a great job in adding Cousins. It's a calculated risk, but it is a risk. It's not a home run. It's not like signing Durant in 16. Uh, This is a much different thing, and it's a one-year deal. Next year, all things go right for Cousins. He's going to be signing a massive deal because he's now going to be an NBA champion. He'll have contributed in a secondary role. He'll have kept his ego in check. And people will look at him differently. And I think that's a huge win for him. And that's what he's looking for in this deal. And if the Warriors achieve that, it's a it's an investment worth worth making. So that's the deal with the Warriors. Second winners here. I'm going to put in Memphis Grizzlies as another winner. And they're winners simply for the fact that Jaron Jackson, the number four overall pick this year, looks like an absolute stud. He's a 6'11" power forward center with 7475 wingspan very lanky he's he's pretty springy he's a praying mantis playing defense and the guy can shoot his first summer league game he hit eight threes and some of them were off kilter kind of you know those aren't going to go everyday shots but he has a smooth quick release he looks like he is a potentially dominant dominant force base of the franchise type player and if you able to grab one of those players that you know they don't come around every year in some drafts you get lucky and get two or three like the LeBron Wade season Um, but this looks like one of them and if he ends up being that then Memphis had a huge win in this draft and they're winning the summer throw in the Kyle Anderson signing I don't love the money but it was a good signing, in my opinion, given the, the weakness and the opportunity to really upgrade there. He comes from a winning culture. He fits in with kind of the, the way they want to play the game. But they, they now have a, a menacing lineup. And while they're in the Western Conference, they're going to struggle to be a playoff team. I think that they've got a shot to be in that mix for the you know four, five, six, seven, eight range, which is, which is really wide open this coming year. Losers. You know, I, look, I can talk about some more winners, individuals. Zach Levine, I think, is a winner. $80 million for four years. Guy hasn't proven anything other than he's an amazing athlete. I, look, I like Levine, but I, I I don't think this was a good a good deal by any, by any stretch of the imagination um, for the Bulls. And the Kings actually lucked out uh, that, that this was sort of a minor victory for them and that they were able to get somebody else to, to suck up that commitment um, take that money out of the cap for the next next summer, um, and they're not stuck with that with that likely arbitrage of a, a contract. So, so he's a winner. Uh, Chris Paul, by the way, is also a winner. Um, and I would put Houston in the loser category. I won't, but 160 million for four years I means going to be almost 37 at the end of that. Or I think he will be 37 in the last year of that deal. He's a great player. He's a champion. He's a is a lion. He's not a champion. Um, but he's somebody who, you know, they're now committing almost $88 million in four years to Harden and Paul. Um, now, the cap will rise quite a bit. Projections are it'll be almost 150 ish by that point. Uh, so, hey, at that point, it's less than it's like 60% of your cap. 
it's still a lot of money for some aging individuals. So it'll be it'll be interesting to see how that works out. So on the loser category, look, I'm gonna start with the Sacramento Kings. I wrote about this uh, on the collective. The opposite end of the the Grizzlies, really. The Kings may have struck out with their top pick. You know, Bagley. I, I'm not gonna call him a bust yet, but he reminds me remarkably uh, of a guy named Joe Smith, the Golden State Warriors, 1995 first round uh, or n- number one overall selection. Um, look, stylistically, they're very similar. There's some obvious examples. They're both from ACC schools, both around the same size, height. But stylistically, they have a very similar kind of slashing to their left, to their, their dominant hand. Um, they almost play like an old school small forward who would get it, slash the rim, try to make plays around the, the basket. And in college, they had enough elite athleticism and size to, to dominate. And both dom- both dominated in college. Um, but it's a skill that doesn't always translate at the NBA level because the the help defense just and the elite uh, the athleticism and size is is all good, and so you really have to be elite at certain things and know how to play to those strengths. I'm not sure in Joe Smith's case he never had any one elite skill, and I'm not sure Bagley does either, and that's an unfortunate thing. I don't think he's going to be a bust. I think he's you know potentially 15 and 10 guy, 20 and 10 even. But he's not a face of the franchise. He's not going to change their fortunes. Um, and I'm, I'm confident in saying that at this point. And so, therefore, to me, they're the losers. They had, you know, I will say I went to a, spring, uh, I went to a summer league game last week. I saw, um, I saw the Kings play in person. I did like what I saw of Harry Giles. He's got some time he needs to, to put in to get better on defense, um, stay home. He, he lunges a lot. He seems like a guy that's going to have a really high foul rate. Uh, but he's showing signs of, of knowing how to uh, block out, how to rebound, defend. And he's still, I think, just now 20 years old and, you know, second year away from his ACL injury. Um, so look look out for him to be a nice rotational guy. And then Justin Jackson continues to, to impress kind of that small forward uh, body size as a great outside shooter, um, heat check type guy. So he, he could be good. But, but, you know, net-net, these guys are losers because they, they missed out on Jaron Jackson. I think Luka Doncic is, is a potential a face of the franchise guy. They don't have their pick next year. And this team looks like it's going to be a bottom four or five team. So their pick, it, number one overall, goes back to Philly. And if it's anywhere else, it goes to Boston. And so the rich get richer, basically. Okay, next loser on my list. This is going to be a, a shock to most. I think most people have these on the winner column, but Oklahoma City. They're, they're there. You know, I'm in the minority here, but this is a championship favorite team uh, just five years ago, and they passed on that to avoid the luxury tax. They dealt hard in specifically because they didn't want to go into luxury tax mode, even though they had a potential dominant run. They Coming off a of finals uh, appearance, I wrote about this. There's a, a quick little fun read uh, up on the collective uh, about this specifically. The irony here, and this is why they're a loser, is they're going to be one of the biggest NBA tax p- players in history, and they're locking in a mediocre playoff team. So five years ago, they could have been a minor tax player payer team and and really kept that window open and likely won one, maybe two, three titles. They definitely would have been one of the favorites of from 13 through 16 17 likely Durant stays with that team instead the team gets blown up they're now left with with one of those 
three MVPs. They drafted for for just for reference sake. Some some people don't realize this. They drafted three future MVP NBA MVPs in 2007 Kevin Durant, 2008 Russell Westbrook, and 2009 James Harden. It's incredible to think about that. So I give Sam Presti a ton of credit. He drafted a bunch a bunch of quality role players in there too. Guys like Stephen Adams, Reggie Jackson, um, Carl Landry, even back to 07. Uh, there are a lot of good, solid players. He didn't miss on a lot of players, but where he missed was in this Harden contract and, and Harden in general, the Harden trade in particular, which led to this domino effect of Durant eventually leaving. And the reason why they're a loser this summer is because now they're in a situation where they're paying huge luxury tax bill. And then maybe just as important from my perspective is that they in a last gap attempt to really save their Wessel Westbrook relationship, get him to sign in long-term, which they did. They went all in on high price guys last year and made a trade for Paul George that looks good because he re-signed this year. But ultimately, Victor Oladipo is probably a better player at this point, much younger and a much better contract. They gave him up plus a bonus. And they went all in and picked up two years and almost you know $58 million of Carmelo Anthony's contract which he opted into this year, which is causing this big hubbub. And now they're essentially going to buy him out or stretch him to reduce their tax bill. So that they're losers because of that, right? Their summer has gone great on paper and the sort of high profile Paul George chose to stay huge win. But is that a win? This is a mediocre playoff team at best. They're going to pay a huge luxury tax bill and they, they're not really a championship contender by any measure. So to me, that's a loser. And then, you know, look, Cleveland Cavaliers, they have to be on this list. You know, it's sad. I thought the way that uh, the way that the fans and ownership and team kind of dealt with LeBron's uh, announcement that he's moving to L.A. was was nice. And it was a big change from from eight years ago. Um, but look beneath the surface here. You know, the cupboard's kind of bare. You've got some pieces but almost all of their values are depressed and there's sort of a, a general perception around the league that these players were propped up by LeBron James. So you got a, play, a player like Kevin Love who looked like it was a franchise player, a dominant top 10 kind of talent just four years ago. Now people see him as like a maybe even a liability um, and he signed to a max deal, but he's un under the old cap rule. So he's only making 26 27 million dollars a year which for a guy that potentially puts up 25 and 12 is great so and you got guys like christian thompson and jr smith and you know you got colin sexton which is a which is a nice get and some younger guys like larry nance they've got some talent around them but they gave up an unprotected 2019 pick on the kyle corver deal to atlanta so atlanta's got their pick next year and ultimately you know if they trade and start uh, dumping these assets like love for under market value, it's just going to make a, a bad situation worse. So they're losers because of the bronze sweepstakes. They're losers because of the, the cupboards pretty bare, but they could turn this into winners. If they keep this team together, find a way to get this team to be competitive, maybe not, you know, title, but competitive and rehab these assets. Get love back to where he was four years ago, or at least as close as he can get to. Get some of these other pieces playing within the system, these veteran pieces, and then look to unload at the trade deadline this past year or next summer when there's more cap space. 
and Love's value is much more more back to where it should be based on how he's performed and in all of his non-LeBron James years. Um, maybe you get Tristan Thompson up to a place where he's he's more competent. You can get a piece for him, you know, and then you you get your play. You get yourself in a situation to really start rebuilding next summer and the following year with draft picks and, and turn this thing around and get you into a consistent, continual um, competitive situation. You know, that's that's key. Now, it's easier said than done. And we know Cleveland went through a disastrous four-year period from 2010 to 2014 where they remarkably lucked out with, with three number one overall draft choices in that period of time. They can't count on that luck this time. They've got to do it the old-fashioned way. they got to do it the Warriors way, which is get really lucky, fortunate, and and be good, smart in how you trade and uh, draft You know, guys in that like 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, and even second-round range. It's 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 hard, but you got to do it. Uh, lastly, kind of losers here. I'm just going to go with the Western Conference teams in general. Um, outside of the Warriors and and maybe Lakers, I think they've all lost, and they've lost for for several key reasons. The obvious one is is LeBron coming west hurts everybody's chances. Um, the Boogie Cousins signing and just generally the Warriors being able to keep their core and can keep their younger guys together doesn't bode well for the rest of them. And then if you just look at the overall mix, the really bad teams are getting better with the exception of maybe the Kings. So you got Memphis was really bad this year. They've added Jaron Jackson. Uh, Phoenix looks good. Uh, Aiton looks solid, but all their other players are, are looking good too. And the addition of Ariza can't uh, help but hurt or can't, can't hurt but help uh, that roster and the maturing of, of that team and kind of the chemistry um, and then you just and then Denver, by the way, and Utah are obviously they're ascending like those rosters. You look, you know, at the kind of the two, three, four, five seeds last year, and I just you know on paper it looks like they all got worse. Houston lost Ariza. They had an aging core, anyways. PJ Tucker, Paul. Um, those are all those are all question mark. Capella is still a restricted free agent, although at this point it looks like he's going to get squeezed and, and probably have to just sign his qualifying offer, making him a, an unrestricted next year. But I just don't see Houston ascending. I think they had their big year. They had their chance last year and, and now it's over. Uh, you go to Portland. They're clearly regressing and being swept in the first round by New Orleans didn't help. They're, they're going to be competitive. They've got some some highly competitive guys like like Dame uh, and uh, and whatnot but they're going to come back down and then um you know if you go into the okc does utah I, I i don't see okc being better right with carmelo gone that probably is a net positive um and Ro- roberson back for um for the whole year is uh going to be good for them but look at that team they're they're a little bit older i don't see there's not an ascension happening with any of their core players and so maybe they're better and maybe maybe they're able to kind of maintain where they're at. But I don't see it. And then this is where the Lakers probably come in and knock somebody down as well. Like, yeah, again, I think Lakers are definitely in that mid, you know, four or five, six seed range with LeBron and that young ascending talent. Um, so we'll have to see that. And then, look, I guess you could put Eastern Conference teams as winners in all this. You know, just to just to cap us off, but I, I just don't, you know, I don't see it. I think that the East is actually probably more top heavy 
than the West in some ways. Obviously, the, the Warriors make everything top-heavy. Uh, but I just see this as a, a Celtics and, to a lesser extent, Sixers kind of conference. And if I'm the Sixers, this is my window. I need to go all out. I need to find myself, find a piece that's going to take my team to the next level. Uh, I, because Boston's got it. They've got great veteran stars in Horford, now Irving, Gordon Hayward. And then they've got the next generation in Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum. And they've got assets. You know, the, the, the Kings pick is going to be an incredibly valuable asset. Um, and they've just got great depth kind of up and down their, their lineup. Sixers, look, they've got two incredibly individual stars. Uh, and they've got a, a lot of young talent around them with Sarge and, and, uh, and potentially Fultz. Um, and they've, you know, they brought back the, the band around the veteran side. But I just don't see it. That said, though, those are the that's the cream of the East. After that drops off a lot, people are going to talk themselves into Toronto as being good. Uh, it's Toronto, right? They may win 55 games, but they're not going to make a, a, a splash where it matters. Wizards have some interesting pieces. I like Howard there, but let's be honest, it's it's the Wizards. So anyhow, net net, going to be a been great free agency. We're still waiting for a couple more dominoes to fall, particularly Leonard and some of these other free agents like Clint Capella. But that's pretty, pretty much a wrap. So I'm going to be excited to watch Summer League the next couple of weeks. Thank you for, for tuning in. Uh, again, if you got any feedback, feel free to send me comments. I just appreciate you you supporting the, uh, the pod. And until um, next time, take care. Before we leave, let me tell you a little something. Uptown, funk you up. Uptown, funk you up. Uptown funk you up. Uptown funk you up. I said, Uptown funk you up. Uptown funk you up. Uptown funk you up. Uptown funk you up.